Hello, everyone. My name is Justin Crowley. And I'm Mike Smith. And this is The Murder Project. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 54 of The Murder Project. This is going to be the debrief episode on the collateral damage, the story of Vicki White and Casey White, and how Vicki helped Casey escape from jail. If you're new to The Murder Project, The Debrief is an episode where I sit down with my good friend and former police officer, Mike Smith, to discuss the cases further. In The Debrief, we discuss the cases from both sides of the aisle, theories that we might have, and anything that we think needs a second look. The debrief is an unscripted and off-the-cuff commentary about the cases that we are currently covering. The hope of the debrief is to break the cases down further, but in a relaxed environment with the true crime we love, but also some laughter. So, let's get the episode started. How's it going, my man? Mike Smith in the house. Yo, what's up, man? You know what I forgot? Did you forget the applause? No, I forgot. I forgot. There it is. Mike, there it is. Golly. I was not ready for that. We had a little uh, technical difficulties as we were getting started. Yeah, we were. And what is the matter with our brains today? I know. It just didn't work out very well. So anyways, it's fine. Mm-hmm. We're just going to keep rolling. We're just going to keep rolling. And we are going to get into the story about Vicki White and Casey White. Yes. The debrief for collateral damage. So much collateral damage in this case. It really is. At least, at least in one half of the the accused yes yeah the and the other direction it doesn't really matter so much because you just already had somebody that was going to be in prison in prison for pretty much the rest of their life yeah and over the last week i've had some questions come up i think that you'll be the person to answer them because i've just been pondering and pondering and the 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 real truth of the matter is there's so much we're just not going to know yep until like this investigation is complete and they release it but there's still a lot out there, and I think we're going to have a good time talking about it. Yeah, it would be awesome if anybody out there already had some way of getting hold of this the discovery on this case. Anything that any information that the sheriff's office might have got, it would have been good because they're keeping everything pretty close to the cuff. And I, I wanted to also say that uh, in the original episode, now, as I'm reading this, it is, is Lauderdale County, Alabama. But every time that I see an interview with the sheriff or something, he says it so fast, it's making me think that I'm saying it wrong mm-hmm. or I'm not sure. I do know that we have some newer listeners out of Decatur, Alabama, which is not too far away from where this happened. So if uh, you guys got any insight on this story that maybe we can cover later on down the road, because there's going to be more to this story as it keeps unfolding, mm-hmm. you know, reach out to us, contact at themurderproject.com or hit us up on Facebook or Instagram yeah. or whatever and let us know. Please do. If there's something that we missed. And also, I think I said in the original one that that uh, Vicky was driving the car when they were arrested, but it was Casey. And if I made that error, I do apologize. But we are going to continue. So, yeah, lots of different things that are going on in this one. Lots of li- different moving parts. Lots of things that had to happen to get us to this place where we're at. That's right. Yeah. And and for the most part, it seemed to happen so seamlessly. Yeah. Uh, but that's definitely something that I will be asking about surely. But the first question I want to ask, and it's for a lot of listeners out there, and something that even I used to ponder, and sometimes even I wonder, what exactly is the difference between a prison and a jail? 
right? Because I think a lot of people in, when they're speaking of this story, they say that Casey White broke out of prison. Right, yeah. And so there is a difference. It's not a huge difference. There's a distinction when someone's like, he was sentenced to prison time. And mm -hmm. then you look and it was like one week in county jail. Yeah. That's not going to prison. That's going to the county jail. And so the main difference obviously would be that prisons in general are larger than what a jail facility holding would be, how many mm -hmm. inmates, how many beds they have. I would suspect that this area was a smaller facility with probably 150 or less beds, mm -hmm. if I just had to guess off the top of my head. Uh, the jail that I worked at was around 450. And so your prisons are going to be larger than that most of the time. Also, prisons really look like prisons. When you look at them, it's going to be the huge fences, the razor wire, the gates everywhere, large buildings, things like that. And we're talking about exterior. County jails, for the most part, when they're built, I know that they try as best they can to make them blend into the areas that they're in. Right. So like the jail that I worked at was originally outside of the city limits, a pretty good little ways. The city has grown up around that area. It sure has, yeah. But you're going to be looking at, you know, maybe 10 or 12 foot fences with some bob wire on it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be architecturally, it's going to look different because they don't want people to drive by and immediately be like, oh my gosh, is that a prison or, you know, or something <laughs> right, to, right. The, to the nature, something to that nature. So they, they try to kind of do a better job at disguising the way that it looks. So it's not, it doesn't look so high security area. Right. You can go to some prisons that are very low risk individuals and i bet you've driven by them and you don't even notice that they're a prison unless you looked out on the front of them and read the name mm -hmm. and so a lot of that is tied into this but in county jails you're going to have anybody this is going to be pre-trial so anybody that is a pre-trial inmate or is waiting to catch chain is what they called it after they've been sentenced is going to be in this area there's going to be no long-term people at this place and at a county jail, and it's going to look a little bit different. So everybody in this jail, from your Class C warrants, which are like, in Texas, you're talking anything like traffic citations, mm -hmm. PIs, things like that, all the way up to murderers, yeah. are going to be housed in the same jail in different areas, usually based on their classifications. But it's not going to be at the capacity of a prison. It's not going to have the same look as a prison. Everybody's going to be pretrial. Everybody that's in, in, in prison is going to be post-trial. They're already sentenced. Mm -hmm. They're going somewhere to do their time. Most often, they go to a intake facility, mm -hmm. which I know for the area that we're at, it's the Middleton unit in Abilene. That's where you're going to go. You're going to get processed in. Some inmates do stay there. The rest of them get shipped out to areas around there. And then so there's different intake prisons around the state of Texas. And I'm sure it's similar to this in in Alabama, but there's just going to be those slight differences inside the jail as far as the schedule goes, the security goes, everything like that. It's probably going to mirror pretty close as yeah. to their rec time, um, their privileges, the consequences for breaking those privileges, um, the violent room, violent cells, um, holding cells, like all of this, we used to call them cool off cells. Yeah. So like if you had someone that was causing a scene, you could pull them out of the pod, 
directly into these cool-off cells. You could break them off, and if it's not anything that needs any further attention, you can either move them to a different area mm-hmm. of the jail. But it's just a good way to break between the officer and inmate so that nothing further happens. So you said one of the key things you said right there is that it's uh, one of the biggest differences is there's no long-term like inmates at county jails. Right. What's like the longest you think So in your experience? The longest that I've ever seen at the jail that I worked because at. Some, because some Texas uh, offenses like have you serve time in a county jail, I think up to 180 days. So you would have people, I mean, if you're serving out time like that, we'd have inmates that were bench warranted back from prison to be in trustee programs mm-hmm. that could have been there for four or five years. The only difference with that is, is that they were bench warranted from prison back to the county jail okay. to serve some purpose. And that's not really pertinent to what I'm asking. I was just genuinely curious because this isn't really anything that I know about very well because uh, I, I took people to jail and occasionally like helped them like strip search an inmate when I got him there. I don't know anything else about like what life is like inside a jail. Yeah. And in pretrial, like say it's for a high felony offense, Mm -hmm. you know, you could have someone there, like say on a murder, you can have someone sitting in county jail for two years, three years. And in the like jail and prison game, that is short. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a short amount of time. Perspective here. You could go to work at a prison and work there for 30 years. Mm Mm-hmm. And the day that you showed up at that prison, an inmate could have been there. And on the day you retired, that same inmate could still be there. That would never happen in a county jail. Right. Yeah, because it's just pre-trial gotcha. inmates. Which is which is interesting because in this county in this particular county jail, the one that Vicky White was part of, Casey had only been there one other time before this incident kicked off. Right. And you have so you have Casey White who has been convicted of other felony charges, the ones I brought up that involved his girlfriend and and ex-girlfriend and and all of the things that were associated with that. And then five years down the road, all of a sudden he admits to this murder that happened in Lauderdale County, Alabama. And so something was done in a process of he, you know, they reached out to the sheriff's office, either the DA's office or he contacted the sheriff's office and he confessed to this crime. Now, I'm going to assume that detectives from the sheriff's office went to the prison where he was at to mm-hmm. interview him. Like, it probably wasn't done over the phone. Who knows? It could have been. I don't know. But I'm just saying, as far as how I know the process, someone should have gone to the prison he was at and interviewed him there to make sure with what he's saying matches up with the evidence that they currently have. Mm-hmm. However that system, or however that took place, he was eventually charged with the crime and so when that happened, the county jail would have to have a bench warrant issued for him to return to that county to face charges. And so he would have a warrant out for his arrest, even though he's in prison. When he was brought to the jail, he would be booked in, fingerprinted, and processed for that crime. And then he would have to be arraigned on that crime. After that, that was that was kind of what I was saying, is that it, at the jail I worked at, it he probably would have stayed there Mm -hmm. until he went to trial. But for whatever reason, he was sent back to the prison that he was assigned to for the 75-year charge. And so what you're saying is, yes, so the the way that we're looking at it is, is that the only opportunity that 
Casey would have had to come in contact with Vicky would be on that first trip. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. Back to the sheriff's office when he was going to go be when he was going to be charged with murder and arraigned for this. And then after that, he was sent back. And I would assume that the process of getting him in and out could have been a couple of weeks to a couple of months. Sure. So enough time to make a relationship with somebody if it was there. Yeah. And, and, and they clearly did. Yeah. They clearly had started some type of a relationship because even uh, other people at the jail would comment that he got treated differently. Yeah. He got some special treatments, as they say. Yeah. And that I realized there's quotation marks around that. And, but I don't think we know a lot of details about that. And they, and when they say that, they specifically mean special treatment from Vicki White or is it everyone? I don't, I don't know exactly. I know that. They said Vicky White, and the way that I looked at it is with her position, right? She could have had influence on other corrections officers in there, and and have said, you know, she could have made up a a a lot of different things, sure, saying that oh he has to get extra food because of this reason, he has to do this, he has to do that, and as a entry level corrections officer or maybe a corporal or something like that. In her position, I don't know that you would question what she is saying. Like, they, she is going to be privy to information that you don't get. Yeah, right. So when it comes down, literally down the line, right, it goes from the top down, and your supervisor calls you and says, hey, we have to do this with this person now. We have to do, when, when we have med call, we have to do this, or this person gets this. Uh, their diet requires that they do this, so we have to do this now. And that could just be a phone call to the kitchen boss. Right. And then that kitchen boss sends the food in, and then they're like, yo, what's up with this? And they're like, oh, it's some diet that he's supposed to. And then after that, what do you care? And exactly what I was about to say. And in, in this type of work, civil service, any type of service job, you you don't really, after a while, you don't really question things. Will you complain about it? Sure. Yeah. Will you, you know, talk mess about it with your buddies later sure but you still do it because you were told to do it yeah and especially i imagine in like a jail you'd be like they say this guy gets uh you know an extra bologna sandwich yeah and you're just like all right that don't make no sense whatever you just grab it off the tray you throw it onto his there you yeah. go you're like he gets this plus he gets he gets his regular food plus he gets an extra bologna sandwich you're like for what yeah and they're like i don't know this came from the front you're like all right here you go yeah, you don't question and you it. give it to him and then one thing that's very important in law enforcement, which is also in the military, is your chain of command. That's right. So you don't really break chain of command to, no. you know, to, and especially something like this, I don't think an officer would put themselves at risk of, yeah, you know, being on anybody's blacklist you know, or getting blackballed or they're... Oh, I was speaking purely from experience. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> you might rag on it. You might talk a little mess about it. You might question it in the moment, but you still do the dang thing. Yeah. You're yeah. just going to do it. You're going to go along with it. Is it is it really hurting anybody? No. But is that something that you can notice that later on, like in a situation like this, Bingo. looks yeah. pretty suspicious? Now it does. It sure does. And she had so much... Uh, like authority in there. She was a dedicated civil servant who had worked at this jail so long. Like when I, how long was it exactly? It was, it was almost, from what I understand, it was almost 20 years. Yeah, almost 20 years. That's so long to work in a jail. Yeah. Or any environment like that. And she was a one of the top administrators. Yep. And had all, and from what we can tell right now, all the respect and authority that that, that, that um, position entails. You had absolutely no reason 
Well, nobody would have any reason to doubt what she said. Yeah, and in the first episode, I forgot to mention the chief deputy. Mm-hmm. My apologies to anybody out there that listens to the show that might been a might be or has been a chief deputy. Yeah, so it goes sheriff, the chief deputy, mm-hmm. captain, lieutenants, sergeants, and that could be sergeants, staff sergeants, corporals, lance corporals, anywhere in there, and then your your line guys. So when we talk about her position in this jail, like, yeah, like say you had a, a sheriff, deputy chief, and then you, I don't know, did you have a director and then an assistant director? But in, e- either way. Yeah. I, I realized she's at the top. Yeah. Her title's different than like your experience yeah. and definitely different than mine. And that's why I was thinking maybe she was a captain. Yeah. Some, some, something with the ranking of maybe a captain mm-hmm. or somewhere around there. Or maybe even higher. Yeah. Because what's her title at the jail? Assistant Director Ass- of Corrections. I mean, I think Assistant Director is right under Director. Yeah, and but direct- who's, who's the Director? Is right. it the Sheriff or the Chief? And, and that's the thing. I'm like, I don't know, but I know she's at the top. Right, exactly. I know that when she's walking down the hall, people are like... Mm. Get out of her way. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you're, you're going to do the things that she says. I know that, like you said, she had a good reputation in the yeah. jail with the District Attorney's Office, with the judges with anybody that she came in contact with. I did see an, a, a video of a former employee that mm-hmm. worked at the sheriff's office that I think had been dismissed mm-hmm. from the sheriff's office that had a few negative things to say about her. But my takeaway in that is that if you're doing a job for as long as she did in the position that she had, you're going to have people, subordinates that don't like you. Oh, easily. Yeah. You're going to have coworkers that you don't like. You're going to have supervisors that you don't like. And it's going to be the same no matter what. So they found a guy that did not have a good opinion about her. Good deal. Yeah. But the majority of the people that they talked to were like, what in the world happened here? That's my understanding as well. And we cannot believe that out of all the people that we know, she was the last person we ever thought would do something like this. And it always is. Yep. And so I kind of want to talk about how we think that this could have come about. And we touched on it a little bit when you brought up the fact that Casey had only been taken to this jail one other time. That's right. Yeah. And, and you, and you mentioned it could have been days, weeks, maybe even a month. And what type of relationship could they have possibly have started that on his second, uh, his second visit, his return visit, she would kick this plan off. And, and this plan is executed so well, at least in the first half. First part of it's pretty you, good. You cannot believe this, how smoothly it was done. She required, bare, I mean, it, it was flawless. Yeah. And so this was a, this was the Ocean's Eleven of a one person breaking one other person out of a county jail. Yeah. And then I don't know what the next uh, example of the movie would be about how it just cratered into the ground. Mm-hmm. But whatever that movie is, that's whatever the crappy movie is. That's the second part. <laughs> I can't think of one off the top of your head. Yeah. But we have to look at the fact that Casey had only been brought to this jail one time. So in those weeks or months that he was there, this woman who had a flawless reputation at the jail mm-hmm. came in contact with this multi-felon who was now being charged with murder mm-hmm. for killing another woman. He had already been convicted of abusing women and somehow 
he convinces Vicky to engage in some sort of relationship with him. And what sort of relationship could they have had in the beginning? Well, it couldn't have been much because right. it couldn't have been enough to draw attention other than the obvious he was getting some sort of special treatments. Okay. But if he was there for that short amount of time and then he went back to prison, it is known that they communicated with each other after he went back to prison. And I kind of wanted to go through how I thought that might have been possible. Yeah, please do. How how would you how would one do that? So once Vicky knows where Casey is being housed at, which she would, the mm -hmm. prison that he was being housed at, it would be easy to get the address to that facility and then start writing him letters. It would be easy for him to somehow have gotten a hold of her phone number and and she could have put money on his books using a different name. Mm -hmm. And depending on what the prison's commissary system and phone system is, some require you to use, you know, most require you to use credit cards. You can buy phone cards. Some make you actually enter all your information in. Some it's easy as just going up and dropping off money at the location and saying this money goes on this person's books. And then there's no trail that leads back to you. But if they're in a system where nothing is verified mm -hmm. as far as money transactions and things of that nature, then she could have used a different name to make it a, make it to where he could buy phone cards or she could have put money on his books so that he can get them without it coming back to her by using a different name if they didn't verify. And you got to talk about the whole entire prison system, everybody that's in the prison system, anybody can get money put on their books for commissary or other different reasons from anybody. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to, so money can be coming in for one person from multiple different angles. Yeah. And so it's hard to track all of that. And I, I understand there's, there's probably someone saying there's gotta be a better way. And I'm, I'm sure that there is, but I'm yeah. sure it costs money. And then when you start talking about state facilities, you start talking about using taxpayer dollars. That's right. And then so a lot of things, they just, it's literally till the last moment before something has to be updated before it's done. So that's a possibility. But the letters, as far as the letters go, he could have been writing to her using a different name, but her address. She could have been writing to him doing the same thing. For all we know, she could have just been using her name because if you're someone who's screening all of the mail that comes in, mm -hmm. you're looking for any sort of suspicious activity or someone who's trying to smuggle contraband into the facility. Right. If it's just a regular letter and you open it up and it just says, Hey baby, I miss you so much. Things are going good down here. We got a new dog. We get boom, it's on to the next one. Yeah. They're not like they're not wasting any more time in those areas. So if it's something that is very unassuming, it's going through. Yeah. They don't have time to read every single letter that comes through. Now, Casey would be someone who is, I think a lot of people would look at as different, right? He's got these felony charges, he's got these murder charges, yeah. he's got all this stuff. He's a high risk inmate. But where he's housed at, the majority of everybody there is just like him right? or close to being like him. They're at least in a, in a security level as far as this classifi classification goes close to him. Yes. So everybody there is sort of like him. And this is screened by a person? A lot of, yeah. When you're doing mail, a lot of times the mail comes in, you open the mail. Like every piece of mail that comes in is opened, at least at the facility that I worked at. And I, I believe it's this way also. Wow. In, in the Texas Department of Corrections. How much mail is that? It's a lot of mail. That's 
that's someone's job. So yeah, the you the, pull mail duty. Yeah, the way that it was assigned to in our jail was if you worked midnights and you were a cluster operator, then you had to sort the mail for that cluster. Mm-hmm. So if you're cluster one and you had A, B, C, and D pod, you would sort the mail for that cluster. And then the midnight officers have to make their rounds, but there's not a whole lot of activity going on. So some take crews out to go cleaning, some hang back. You can have help doing that, but all the mail's open and all the mail's gone through. Yeah. And so if you had someone, like say they would leave a note in the cluster area saying, hey, we need to watch this guy's mail and see if anything comes in. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's going to, we're going to. But if there's no memo or no red flag attached to a person, then you're going to do the basics. You're going to open it. You're going to look at it. You're going to make sure that there's nothing inside the envelope that they're not supposed to have. You know, you couldn't send in large packages or anything like that. Those would immediately be turned back out. Yeah. Strictly letters. And so if there were photos inside, they were taken out and put in their property box. Nothing was allowed to go through except for the paper. Yeah. And so this is a way that they kind of clamp down on contraband coming into the jail. Mm Mm-hmm. And someone would have to go through this. But if this was, if this is just a normal situation, then the majority of these letters are going to go through. And yeah, like, even oh, if she, even if she used her her real name. Yeah. Nobody knows who Vicki White is. Exactly. It's yeah. In some other town. And, you know, that's like saying. It's not like it's her name and her title. Yeah. It's just Vicki. So they're like, oh, okay. That's like saying I should know some random police officer's name from Midland or maybe some area or let's say El Paso. Well, because let me I've ask never you. lived there, and I've never been in that area. But, oh, yeah, I, I, I should just know that some police officer that works in El Paso sent a guy a letter in Amarillo. How would I know that? You wouldn't know that. But you would if, you, if, it, if it was going to get you famous. Yeah. <laughs> but let me ask you a question, because it's something that I thought. Do you think they had an inside joke about being spouses before or after they made the escape? I think that it was maybe something that was brought up over time in mm-hmm. their communication, because, you know— Pretty circumstantially like relevant. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? So while they're doing all these letters back and forth to each other, Mm -hmm. I think they're accelerating this relationship into, I love you. I want to be with you for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. You're my soulmate. Mm, Classic. Whatever other words that they use to justify Mm -hmm. breaking this violent, dangerous man out of jail. Yes. And I think it started, he's he's like, he's like, hey, you're... Listen, and this is another thing. I, when I think of, I think of manipulation. Sure. I think this is something that Casey did to Vicky and saying like, you, you know, the way I look at it is you're, you're my wife. Like we're together. We're going to get married. Yeah. Because we can honestly say both of our last names is white. Is white. It already goes together. Nothing has to change literally from that point. The only thing they're missing is a piece of paper, which she could have gotten. Sure. After she retired from the jail, mm-hmm. it's not going to be any sort of activity that is permitted while she works there. Golly, I hope not. And yeah, they're going to definitely, they're going to be like, she's like, hey, I'm getting married um, to an inmate in a prison system. That I'm also in charge of. And they're like, yeah, no, you're not. Yeah. So you can, you can leave if you want to, in which she's already setting up avenues to make this happen. Right. Yeah. And very, well, well after the event, very obvious ways. Yes, but they they're cultivating this relationship very quickly. And by quickly, I mean weeks, maybe months, so that by the time he returns, she's like, now, now we have to do it. You're here. Let's go for it. 
Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I was kind of thinking about is if we could go back and look through Casey White's property and say like, were there letters in his pro in his personal property that were direct communications from Vicky that said, okay, when you come back, we have to do, you know, X, Y, Z. Or was it like a flush after reading type deal? Like it yeah. made it into the jail. It. Yeah. And he had to, he had to flush it or do something with it or eat it. I was going to say burn after reading, but that would, that would erase, that would raise some alarm bells. There would be some flags. Yeah. Cause most prisons you can't even smoke in anymore. I don't think a lot of people know that, but you know, you, you think of the old movies where everybody's just sitting around chain smoking cigarettes in prison. Yeah. I probably, just, I probably would too, but just cranking steel and chain smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Can't do that anymore in most places. And so were there communications that, that laid this plan out specifically, or was this something that Vicky hatched entirely on her own and filled him in whenever he came back? Because I, in my opinion, Casey's motivation, no matter what always is escape, but how how did this whole scenario get set up? Because there's some people that talk about, well, when Casey White admitted to the murder of this other woman mm -hmm. five years later, he was doing it in a way so that when he got bench warranted back to the jail that he was going to, he could plan an escape. Because in a smaller county jail, that's going to be your easiest spot. Right. It's a softer it's a softer way to get out. Right. Exactly. So. When I was thinking about this, my thought was, well, did he already know Vicky before he went back to the jail for the first time? Because that gives him some sort of a leg up by using that jail. Or did he solely admit to a murder that maybe he didn't commit mm -hmm. to get back to this jail just for the possibility to make it happen? And him finding Vicky at this jail was just happens chance. The fact that he found someone that would break him out of jail was just pure coincidence, and he didn't have to go through whatever other plan he might have been possibly thinking about. I mean, does this really seem like the guy with a plan? No, not is really. That, no, no, I, I don't think so. And of course, we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot more as this goes on. This is just you and I speculating with mm -hmm. our listeners here, but I'm just saying they had cultivated a relationship. It doesn't make sense to me because she had absolutely nothing to she had everything to lose i meant to say yeah every thing to lose her career which she flushed down the toilet mm -hmm. um sold her home yep uh and not only that but a lot of people say well not really so much her career but she retired from the sheriff's office and then my rebuttal to that is her retirement paperwork was in Mm -hmm. Her last day at the sheriff's office was the day that she helped Casey escape, but the paperwork processing had not completed. Yeah, she wasn't done. So the day that be she became a felon, she lost her retirement. That's correct. Yeah. I, that, I, I could tell you that uh, anybody in any type of civil service would tell you that. It does not, this is the wheels of government turn very slowly. Yeah. Just because you drop a retirement packet. I know guys in the military that dropped their retirement packet and still had to serve a year, nine months, you know, nine months, six months. Yeah. This isn't something that gets done quickly. So her plan, that was probably the worst part of it was that she was like, I'll be done. Drop my retirement packet. I'll be out. They're just gonna go ahead and say, peace out, sister. And I can sail off into the sunset. No, no. She could have very well 
have completed her last day at the sheriff's office. Mm -hmm. But the paperwork process and the retirement process and going through with like Texas, like uh, jails in Texas, most are under the retirement system of Texas. Mm -hmm. You got to wait for all that paperwork to clear before you're officially retired. Right. And they're going to start paying out. Yeah. Maybe she didn't know that either, because I know there's some people that may not. But if she didn't know that, then she made a huge mistake by doing this all simultaneously. And I also think that she was probably thinking to herself, like, I have to do it while I'm still working at the jail. I was just about to say that you beat me by five seconds. She couldn't have pulled this off if she was already retired. Right. She had to still be in uniform, still be in her position to pull this off. Maybe she was hoping that by then they'd be, actually, you know what? My brain can't get there because by yeah. then, they, even if she, even if they made it out of the country, hang on, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, that, they still would have known it was her. Her retirement would be a no, would be a no go anyway. Yeah, so and this, even if they, this this has to be the worst part of her plan. Yeah, the excuse she makes to take custody of him and leave the the, the jail was perfect. Nobody questioned it at all. In fact, like you said in episode one, nobody began to question it until too much time had gone by and it became sussy baka, as the kids <laughs> say. And that's when people are like, wait. Where are these dudes? Who's with them? They're like, uh, White is, Vicky White is. And they're like, by yourself? This seems weird. Oh, wait, it's all weird. Yeah, everything is weird. Because even if you got into a situation where the sheriff's office thought that she left and did this under some sort of duress, all of her retirement packet would have been frozen. Mm -hmm. Anyways, it's not like they'd have been like, man, Vicky has been missing for two months. They're like, it's weird because someone's making withdrawals out of her account. Like, that doesn't happen. No. You know? So maybe she did know. Maybe so, now that we're talking about this, maybe she did know. And also her retirement package was also collateral damage in this whole deal. And she was like, hey, we've got over 100 G's in tow mm -hmm. because I sold my house and I got rid of some stuff. I've had to buy some supplies. I had to buy this piece of crap, Ford Edge. Mm -hmm. But we got some leftover cash. We just got to make that good for our initial escape. And then we can figure out what we want to do from there. I just remembered a, a question I really wanted to ask. So, so you said the second in command of the jail you worked at was called the chief deputy or deputy chief. Yeah. How strange would it be to you if you were working in the jail and he came and grabbed a prisoner to go take them to go do any type of uh, out of like out of uh, jail tests? It would have been odd. Right. Would have been very strange. Yeah. I can't, I can't see how I, would see that that'd be like the XO of the of a military brigade coming down and being like, hey, I need to grab this private, go shopping. Yeah, or your chief or assistant chief out running traffic mm -hmm. on I-40 and you're like, wait, what number was that? Who just made a traffic exactly. stop? Exactly. Yeah. So one of the things I was thinking about was because this was smaller, maybe her duties did include certain things when she needed to help out. But I can tell you that when I saw the chief inside the secured area of the jail, not up an admin. I'm like, ooh, Somebody man, in trouble. somebody's in trouble. That's right. Something happened, yeah. some, you know, or he's got to talk to us about something that's serious mm -hmm. because he has a chain of command under him that handle those things. Right. Not that, not that they're lazy. No. That's not, the, that's not what, what I'm saying. It's because their duties are outside right. of the facility because they have people in positions to run the jail. But if I saw the chief or the sheriff in the jail... You're like, Ooh, man, that ain't good. So now a captain, mm -hmm. you're going to see them. And I would see our captain cruising around doing some things. 
lieutenants for sure. Corporals and sergeants are assigned in the jail, so there's nothing out of the ordinary for that. But but you're right. Seeing someone in her position at, at the jail I worked at, it would have been very strange if he would have walked into the to the booking room and been like, hey, get inmate so-and-so. I got to take him to a psych evaluation. You're like, really? Like, I, I, Are we short? And also by herself. Right. I'm not talking about gender. I'm talking about wouldn't you have at least one more person than the amount of inmates you would have? You'd have to. And I can't think of a scenario in a jail where this would not be the case, because I know that listening to the sheriff talk, they had a policy at this jail that high risk inmates had to be with two people. Right. Yeah. And that's that's law enforcement 101. Yep. If you have one suspect, you want two. I mean, and and you have a choice in the matter. You want to have two cops. If you have two suspects, you want you always want to outnumber them by at least one at the minimum. And even even in different like transportation situations, the deputies always rolled around in twos. Yeah. And so this scenario, and that's why I kind of brought up the fact that whenever they're going to take this guy out, I wonder if someone in the booking room was like, who's going with you? And she's like, oh, uh, Douglas is or just something. And they're like, oh, okay. Maybe they didn't see him or maybe they're thinking because of her position, they ain't asking. Yeah, it's implied. Yeah, yeah like maybe maybe like they're... Vicky knows the rules. Exactly. Yeah, but obviously that isn't what happened. And I'm sure in hindsight, a lot of people are like, ooh, yeah, I hope I hope I don't get... I hope I'm, this... I'm sure the person that was working in the intake or booking room that day was like, dang, I'm going to get written up for this. Yeah, for sure. And I hope they didn't. Because well, of course not. I hope they didn't, because in a situation where you have someone in the position that she had, just like we've been talking about, you're not going to ask a whole lot of questions because you don't want heat brought on you for no reason. And, and you don't you're have like, any why reason. Why do I want to be on their radar? Yeah, and you don't have any reason to question that person either. She hasn't given this entire time that she's been at this, this, that facility. She's given nobody any reason to question her, her process. Right. Her reputation. And so she gets him. And they take off and, and they they leave in a in a county vehicle mm-hmm. at first. And they don't travel actually that far. No, it's not. It's pretty it's relatively close to the sheriff's office. And I mean, if you've looked at any of the videos, I mean it's to me, her body language and everything about what I saw as someone that doesn't know her, mm-hmm. it was so fluid. Yeah. It was just she was just going off muscle memory in her brain about how she normally does something. The shackles get put on the belly chain or whatever they use. Mm -hmm. She's walking out the intake door. You can see in there that there's two. Mm -hmm. The weird part is that one of them's propped open. So maybe, I don't know, maybe their security isn't as tight as what, but we had a, we had a system in place where you don't open one door without the other one closed. Right. And if you had a situation where you were calling to override a door, which would mean, this door hasn't shut, so this one's not going to open. But we could override a door to get through there. It's going to be for a specific situation. Yeah. For not, some time. Not just walking some dude out to go to a psych yeah. evaluation. But either way, they don't make it very... I mean, they don't go very far mm-hmm. before they change vehicles. And, and that's and, and that's into the 2007 Ford Edge. Right. The one that she purchased under an alias. Exactly. And, and I wish... Man, I don't know if she might have bought something different. Uh, I mean, not only was it at Fort Edge, but it was also burnt orange. And an 07. Yeah. I mean, my only thought is when I when I was thinking about this was that she went to a buy here, play, pay here place, some place she could pay cash for the vehicle, mm-hmm. 
somebody wouldn't ask a whole lot of questions. Yeah, because by now she by then she'd already liquidated a bunch of her assets mm-hmm. in order to to facilitate this escape. Yeah, she could pay for for things in cash, and then that that kind of gets me to the point where, okay, so in this whole scenario, are we? I you know, and I don't know if we necessarily have to go back and revisit that, but I just wish that I knew if she knew him before he showed up to the jail for the first time or if she didn't meet him until he went to the jail for the first time. But either way, we're moving on. So they leave. Mm-hmm. They go to the first strip mall area. Yeah. They dump the patrol car, which is solid, solid move. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not applauding this anyways. I'm just saying like, <laughs> that was obviously a good move. Yeah. They dump the vehicle. They're going to make him look as normal as possible, right? She had extra clothes for him already in tow. Yeah. So he's going to ditch all the irons. He's going to throw on some normal clothes, probably I mean, in the back seat. She knows him enough that she at least got decent sizes. He's not little. No, he's a big man. Right. So, I mean, that's that's a level of intimacy. One thing I, I was thinking about is I was like, man, I wonder if you could see in the in the security video outside the jail, her in a patrol vehicle, pull up to her own car and just take a bag out of the back and put it in the back seat of the car and then drive it in. Mm-hmm. I and mean, she may have she may have had a take home ride. I don't know. But he's got clothes in the car. They change. He gets out and they just get into the Ford edge. Nothing looks suspicious mm-hmm. and they're on their way. Right. Boom. They're gone. But what what's interesting to me is and that I talked about in the part one is that my my first thought when I heard this was that they would be heading south. Right. From Alabama south. Yeah, because it's closer to a border. Yeah. That, in that direction. Not not by a whole lot, but by a significant amount. Yeah, but if you go from Alabama to Louisiana and then drop into the bottom of Texas and kind of start working your way down, mm-hmm. but maybe they thought to themselves, that's going to be the first place that they look because I was totally confused whenever I found out that the Ford Edge had been dumped in Franklin, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Because then I started thinking to myself, they're going north. Why are they going north? And the Franklin, Tennessee is just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And so they made it maybe a couple hours into their trip right. before this first vehicle is dumped or it broke down or whatever. I've heard both. And initially, I thought to myself, because of the way that the escape went, and like you were talking about, she knew the policy and procedure. She knew that she could put him probably on a board or something that says that he's going to be leaving at this time to go do these certain things. No one's going to question her. She does everything leading up to getting him out of the jail, with the exception of the additional officer, Mm -hmm. just like she's supposed to. That's right. No suspicions. Nothing. She's gone. And my thought was, well, if I was leaving, maybe dump the vehicle north, throw them off the trail, Mm -hmm. head south, or do whatever they're doing. But they later come back and say, well, it looks like they tried to spray paint the vehicle to maybe change the color. You'd want to do that because this burnt orange sticks out like a sore thumb. And then you got a six foot nine, 300 pound man that's in your car and a like bleach blonde female that are now wanted for escape. Yeah. And I can tell you from experience, trying to spray paint a vehicle is not nearly as easy as as it is to say. Well, if you see the pictures of this vehicle and I have some, actually I'll show them to you after we get finished, but 
uh, they didn't make it very far. And you wouldn't. I mean, I feel like they got like literally three minutes into this deal and they're like, this is dumb. Yeah. We're not going to be able to do this. Yeah. And I'm saying that from experience. <laughs> we, we tried to do that. Some buddies of mine tried to do that in high school and we got, we got six cans of spray paint. It's not enough. Well, like that'll do it. We, you did, we did think that <laughs> I could see how it sounds great. You're like, oh, we'll just spray paint it a different color. Mm hmm. But what you really mean is like a sprayer like they use in like an auto shop. Yeah. Not a spray paint can, not for tagging railroad cars and fences and dumpsters. <laughs> it, it it didn't work out. Yeah. I, I can see like Casey getting through the first like two square feet of this vehicle, painting it with it. And he's like, man, I'm out again. Vicky's like, how many more cans we need? And he's like, I need at least 56 more <laughs> cans exactly. of spray paint. And she's like, this the is a bad idea. But the vehicle's left. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, probably it broke down. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why she purchased this specific vehicle other than like you were talking about before we started the show, maybe her inexperience in doing these things. Something shady like this. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, hey, I just need I need a car quick. She I'll pay cash. Right. And they're like, great. She's just, like, here's my name. I'll just fill out this paper. Just, I just put this stuff on here and I can go. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, as long as the check clears. Yep. She's oh. like, oh, here you go. Yep, here's your money. He's like, great, here's your keys, bye. Yeah, see you later. Yeah, don't forget to get that tax title and license. Have a good day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. We're going to do it cheaper by letting you take care of all that. Mm -hmm. so that way that way, you don't have to pay for it. Like, you don't have to pay me to do that. Yeah. I'm doing you a favor. I'm actually doing you a favor. It's In the long run, fee. you're going to save more money. Mm-hmm. You do it yourself. Not to mention that this thing, 110 miles down the road, is just going to grenade. <laughs> It did too. <laughs> and, and so the vehicle breaks down. And then one of the things that you also brought up is now there's going to be some switcherooskies on some vehicles. There is. Yeah. So um, there is a report that they are seen in a, in a car wash in an F-150. Mm -hmm. And there are so many like little articles and pieces of articles about that. So at some point they no longer have the Ford Edge. Now they have a Ford F-150. They are seen a, in a, and that was purchased in Tennessee, correct? Is that what the article said? I didn't even say. It See, that's, said. A, that's the weird part about all of this is that the vehicles, go ahead. Yeah, and so then now they're, now they're, seen, now they're seen at a car wash in an F-150. Then they go back to the hotel and they leave and they're in a Cadillac. Yeah. So whether there's money being moved around or like people doing like straight up like cash deals for these cars... There's three different vehicles until until about 20 minutes before we sat down to record. I only knew of two. Right. So this is still pretty new information to me. Could I, I mean, is it probably somebody out there who has a much better idea? More than likely. And please let us know. But I only knew about the Ford Edge and the Cadillac. I did not know about the pickup. Yeah, I'd heard and I'd heard that he was spotted. Casey was spotted at a car wash in the F-150. And then later on, they're in this pursuit in the Cadillac. And that's where I was like. Wait, we missed a step somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think it's totally possible that they got to the area of town or area that they were in. They got on something like fake Facebook marketplace or something like that, found a vehicle that they could get. They go up to somebody and they're like, how much do you want for it? And he's like, five grand cash or whatever. And we also have to think at this time, like vehicle inflation's super high. Yeah. So, you know, 10 grand for something. And she's like, okay, here's, here's the cash. This person hands her the title to the vehicle because that's the only way you could do that. Because right. if, 
or she could have bought it and, then, and they'd be like, well, the bank still has the title. And she's like, oh, we can worry about that later and just burns off. No one knows. That, no one then it doesn't matter. I mean, it is. We do know that some effort is being into is being put in to maintain what anonymity they think they still have because they paid a homeless man to get them their motel. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, they paid him a hundred bucks and that man who was just a homeless man trying to make a hundred bucks, they ended up arresting him on like warrants or paraphernalia or something something like that. Where I was like, oh man, this, this, this also guy can't, this guy can't catch a break. He's also some collateral damage in this. He's just sitting in county. Did he get a Sam? Did he get himself like a burger, like a forty, before he went back to jail? Or? Man, I hope so. That's a hundred. I hope he spent that hundred bucks up before I he went back he in. Too. Got him some scratchers. Yep. Oh yeah, man. Turn that. Turn that hundred bucks to one hundred and ten bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. But they. So they are trying to do these things, and they're buying multiple vehicles. At this point, they have three. Right. That they have, and so this also goes into my my thought process of. What is the purpose for having the F-150 and then the Cadillac? Okay, we already know that the Ford Edge broke down. Mm -hmm. It's dumped. The crazy thing about that is it sits in an impound yard for a week before anybody makes the connection. That's wild. Now, I don't know how much information is getting out to different areas. I'm, I'm not saying that this was an oversight. I'm just saying that it was not found or noticed for over a week. I'm going to go ahead and say right now, I'm going to call it Claire Claire. Yeah, <laughs> it always is. Yep. And they purchased the F-150, right? And then so now they've made it to Evansville, Indiana, mm-hmm. right? They're staying in the motel, but they also have the Cadillac. So it's like, okay, was the Cadillac in case the F-150 was burned or was the F-150 always going to be a bur- another burner? Mm-hmm. Because they're trying to... And and you you would need to do something like that. Have you ever seen the movie Casino? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So when uh, Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Golly, Joe Pesci is trying to get over to have that meeting, and he changes vehicles like three times in the parking garages and all the stuff. When he's trying, you know, yeah. That's how I kind of figured they might have been thinking. Like we could drive this vehicle. We got to do this. We got to do that. When in actuality, let's rewind. How long since they had left did it take for them to notice that nobody was there, that he wasn't coming back till they start pushing, putting all this together? Hours. Hours, yeah. Hours. By the time that they ended up, by the time that they noticed Casey was missing, they could have already been past Evansville, Indiana. Right. That's the direction that they were going. Mm -hmm. And so in my thought, my thought is, okay, where where could they have been going from? Evansville, Indiana. Well, if you go from Evansville, Indiana, seven hours, you're in Detroit, Michigan. And then from there, it's easier to get across the border. That's like your closest point to get into Canada. Right. If that's the way that they were going. I don't know. I'm just, I'm speculating on where they're going, but heading north from Alabama, going that direction, nothing else makes sense to me, except they're trying to get to Canada. That just seemed like the easiest spot to get there to me. They Mm -hmm. could have been going somewhere, somewhere else. They could have been like, well, if maybe if we go up, we can go through this area. I don't know. I'm just, I'm pointing out Detroit, Michigan, because that would have been the closest spot for them to try yeah. to get across in a way that they wouldn't have to maybe go through a checkpoint. Maybe. And, this, and this is us fully realizing we don't know where they were going or what their plan was. Personally, I don't believe there was one after a certain point. But yeah, it was just, we're implying... It was just up in a motel. Yeah, and we're implying that their plan was to get out of 
the United States of right. America, which would have been the quickest way to done that would be going through Detroit. But we actually have no idea. Yeah, we don't know. We just know they ended up in Evansville. Yeah. And using that theory, they by the time that they noticed that Casey was missing and they started looking for him, they could have been over halfway mm-hmm. or at least halfway to Detroit using this theory. By the time they started putting the puzzle pieces together, they could have already been across the border. That's right. But that is not what happened at all. That's in fact, happened. in fact, a week and a half would go by. And they're found four hours away from their starting point. So they probably hit Evansville on day two. Yeah, maybe two or three. Day depending two, on two or three. I mean, they were having car trouble. Yeah. Depending on were, how long it took them to find a vehicle where the edge was dumped. Mm-hmm. So let's just say they got to hang around for another day, maybe two days, but then they're gone or right. they should have been because it in, right, they should have been for sure. In Franklin, Tennessee, they're a whole lot closer to where they left from. Mm-hmm. And my thought was, is that if you could make it into Nashville, it feels like to me, you could blend easier on an outskirts motel mm-hmm. and you can hide there, but you can't stay there. Nashville's a great town. Yeah, you can't stay there in that area, though. You're going to have to keep moving. And they didn't. The furthest point they made it was Evansville, Indiana. Mm -hmm. So in 11 days, they went four hours drive time. And multiple vehicles. Three vehicles. Can't imagine how much fast food. Paid a homeless man to get a hotel. And I'm just saying, without saying too much, something had to keep him occupied in that hotel room for a week and a half. Yeah, because... The you think it was focus, think it was a free Wi-Fi? Absolutely. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. The it's the free wi- Wi-Fi and HBO. I mean, that gets everybody. Yeah. I'm not looking for. <laughs> I'm not looking for either of those. <laughs> but the but the crazy thing is, is that in 11 days. Yeah. This is this is as far as they get. It's like they just ran out of ideas, or or maybe they ran out of like money on them. I mean, it's just. I don't see how they could have went through. You know, say 100 grand buying the vehicles and staying in motel rooms and, but in, you know, eating fast food and doing other, but four hours away. Yeah. That's as far as they made it. That's why we say like the plan to get Casey out of jail was great. Yeah. Vicky had a good plan because I figure that with her knowledge of this, even if the idea was Casey's, she had to execute everything else. And she did. And she did it. She got him out of jail and nobody even thought twice about it. They did not think about it until they were like, yeah, it's like 5.30. Yeah, where are they at? Why, why haven't they not come back? Or whatever time it was. But they did not notice until that point. And at that point, they had a window. Mm-hmm. They had a window to get him out. She has probably her phone with her, or at least a burner or something that they could keep up with. Maybe social media. They mm-hmm. can look into the news. They could watch the news at a hotel. They can do something. But... There would have been nothing on television or social media for hours after they left because they didn't even know he was gone. I mean, I I keep I know I joked about it earlier, but they were there. That that's a long time to stay at a hotel anyway. That's going to raise a lot of suspicion, even for hotel or motel owners who have people that do that do this frequently. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in there over four or five days, they're like, "What are these people doing?" Yeah, because a lot of these hotels that we're talking about, they don't charge you by the day. Mm-mm. 
charge you by the hour. By the hour. You can get, you can literally go in there and be like, hey, I need a hotel room for two hours. And they're like, mm, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Yep. Nope. $75. You're like, yeah. wait, what? They're like, if you want to go sleep with this prostitute in my hotel room, you're going to pay me $75. Exactly. And they're like, all right. All right. Like, whoa, whoa, man. Nobody <laughs> said. Or if you're going to go into this hotel room with that lady who's probably not your wife, it's $75. That's right. Okay. Yeah. All right, that's what we're doing right here. That's right, yeah. And he's like, you know what? Here's your money. He's like, got the cash monies. Yeah, here's 80. Keep the five. Yeah, keep the five. Sorry about the trouble. Keep the change. Yeah. Yeah, so they're there a long time. And so here's here's one of my ideas before we get on to like the culmination of it all, because I know we've been rattling on for a minute. Do you think by now she's already getting cold feet? Yes. Do you think now she's like, oh no, what have I done? I think that based on her training and experience, she knows that... Things have gone on too long and the possibility of them working out are getting slimmer by the minute. Yeah. And by day 11, by the time that they're about to be caught, I think that she has probably abandoned all hope that whatever plan they had is not going to work out because they're, 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 they are stationary. Yeah. For, for a long time. Yeah. There isn't any. There isn't. Any, there isn't any type of road trip you could be on, uh, illegal or otherwise, where you could sit somewhere for over a week and a half and be like, "This was the right choice." Yeah, this was. This was a good plan. Mm-hmm. And even if paranoia of how are we going to cross the border now, mm-hmm. our photos are plastered everywhere. Well, hopefully you knew that that was going to be a possibility, mm-hmm. and you thought about alternate ways to get across the border. Mm-hmm. Maybe not going through a designated checkpoint. Maybe going in through a wooded area or somewhere where you could be at a national park and just, whoops, I crossed into Canada. Now I'm here. Whoops. Whoopsie. Oh, where's and the, then, where's the poutine, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then hope nobody ever asks you for your passport. Yeah. And then be like, I'm sorry. Nobody in Canada says this. Step out of the vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, dang, dang, <laughs> like, dang They got me. <laughs> they're like, yeah, we knew it was you guys. So straight late. from the gate. And so after this week and a half they spend there, they're spotted by a police officer. Uh, and of course, all the wheels begin to turn. They come down to leave in the Cadillac and then they're pursued. And this is where things get, oh, the last part of it, that's kind of a little weird before. I mean, um, what I mean by that is that we know of currently, we don't know the rest of the details, mm-hmm. but of course they flee. Yep. Uh, and they're chased and they are, the the law enforcement has given permission to take him down. I mean, he's a murderer, a suspected murderer. Yep. I'm sorry. He, he is, is right? a suspected murderer suspected, yeah. who is already in prison 75 years for violent offenses. Yeah. Even if you're in a town. He's not that a has convicted a no murderer yet. Yeah. Not yet. He's not convicted murderer yet. But even if you're in a town that probably doesn't have a pursuit policy, like a, a no pursuit policy, they're going to be like, you got the green light. That's exactly what I was about to say. Is that not everybody here in the here in the modern in, in the modern world in the 2022s? Not all police people, not all police uh departments and, and allow people to be ramming folks and taking them down or chasing them at all anymore. Yeah. It's a different world we're living in now. And, but this is a, an occasion where they're like, yeah, you can go ahead and, and smash that Cadillac in and get that vehicle to stop. I didn't, you know, blow the wheels off. It hadn't quite come to that. Of course. Yeah. I'm just saying this is a situation where they're like, yeah, stop that vehicle. Use force. Yeah. You're going to get the green light to do whatever is necessary but also in a safe manner to the public, of course, to take to get this vehicle to stop, mm-hmm. to disable this vehicle, get them to stop, whatever the case is, you're going to get the green light, I'm sure. And it doesn't even come to that because they will 
they will just wreck the car out, I think, on their own. They did, yeah. But um, there's two things that happened before that. One is that uh, Vicky White made a 911 call, mm-hmm. and part of it's recorded. And she's yelling about the airbags being deployed and that they're going to get killed. And then that she starts screaming at him to go back to the hotel. Yep. So they're not checked out of the hotel yet. Nope. I did. I did wonder what's back at the hotel. So I don't know if maybe they were going out to just grab some burgers or something, you know? Right. Maybe get some more calories in before they go back into the room. But I do know that at the hotel, the sheriff stated that there was minimal things left at the hotel. Mm-hmm. The majority of their belongings were in the vehicle. Okay, so that now my question, now my question means a lot more. What was back at the hotel? Why yeah. did she want to go back there? Was that the last place she considered safe? Maybe. Maybe, which is leading up to what I'm trying to get at, because, of course, they get rammed again, I mean, and they wreck out, and then, of course, she commits suicide. It's believed that she, she uses her, her uh, pistol and shoots herself in the head. And that's terrible. But what I'm getting at is, do you think, well, of course, this is with no, this is just a theory that they they had possibly a suicide pact. Like if they were going to go down, they were going down together into the afterlife yes. to face the eternal void. Yes. Yeah. I do think that. I do, I do as well, because two reasons. One, she doesn't hesitate to do it. Mm-mm. She has no, we have no reason to believe that she would have ever done this ever before in her life. Right. Not only did she break a a convicted felon and a suspected murderer out of jail and abscond with him, but as soon as she starts to, as soon as she's trying, as soon as they try to take her down, which she knows she's going to go down for this, yep, and go to the very facility in which she was one of the head administrators of, she immediately kills herself. Yep, but he doesn't. Nope. In fact, he, he, I doubt, I doubt he, a guy like him would have been down with that at all, except only in in word. Yeah, and that she says, hey, if anything goes wrong, okay, I'm not going back to the jail that I worked at. Mm-hmm. That's the facility that she broke him out of because, so that is where, unless they caused any other crimes along the way. Right. She's going back there. Right, she's going to the, the first, where the first offense took place, yeah. the county of the first offense. And she's thinking to herself, I can't go back and be an inmate in the jail that I used to work at. And she probably tells like, hey, if things go south, it's you and me forever, right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, we'll just, yeah, however girl. the situation goes down, she's like, we'll have to kill ourselves because we can't, we can't go back to prison. Casey can go back to prison. Yeah. That's where he's been at. Right. For a while. He is used to living in prison, staying in prison, however you want to look at it. He had been in prison at that point for, I think, five years. Mm-hmm. He'd probably done a few stints before that if I was just a betting man. Yeah, and he knew that his life was effectively over if he remained. Yeah, do you know what he's probably going to get for an escape charge? Maybe they'll add an additional 10 years. Right. He already has 75. He doesn't care. Yeah, he'll be dead before he finishes that. Yeah. He, More than likely. He already is about to go on trial for a murder. Yeah. Do you think that he cares about the charge for breaking out of jail? No. He does not. He but, does not care at all. So... That, again, that complete theory. So that, I think, yes, I think that was a long way to say, yes, I think they did. Yeah. And I think he didn't hold up to his end of the bargain and he never intended to. No. And so to wrap up why I brought up the go back to the hotel part, even though for all intents and purposes, they were done there, is maybe that was a place where they could have like done it Yeah, together. They could have con- barricaded themselves and controlled the situation enough that they could like do this. And I don't I, you know, anybody in true crime could have come to this conclusion. There's probably people that are going to listen to this and think, 
exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> but they wreck out. They are now caught. Effectively, in her mind, she's like, I'm caught. Yeah. This car this is, is the disabled. end of the road right here. Right. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to peace out. And he's like, he's like, oh, man, y'all helped me. My wife shot herself. He's like that. He just look. He hears the gunshot. He looks over and goes, that is unfortunate. Yeah. And then he sticks his hands out of the car and he's like, hey, guys, I'm right here. She shot. I didn't do it. She shot herself. Is my wife okay? Calls her. Calls her his wife. Yeah. So bizarre. 11 days. Mm -hmm. Literally in contact with each other. Mm -hmm. Is my wife okay? Supposedly you just watched her shoot herself in the head with a firearm. Yeah. She's not going to be okay. You know, nobody said Casey White is a smart person. That has not been brought up since, no. I mean, but he's already calling her his wife. This is a faster love story than Romeo and Juliet's. Mm -hmm. That's three days. (laughs) That's true. That's true. And she ends up, because I think that when you were talking about, did she already come to the conclusion that things weren't going to pan out? Mm -hmm. I think this is when the process is, has already started and she's got it in her mind one way or the other, whether it's, she has not discussed this with Casey and she's like, if we get busted, I'm killing myself because I'm not going to prison. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to make it. I'm almost 60 years old and I'm not going to prison for the rest of my life. Yeah. Which she probably wouldn't have. No. I think she, I think she could have gone to prison she would have gone to prison. Yeah. Not as long as maybe the average person based on her, her previous employment or yeah. you could have got a judge that was like, was like, not I gotta make here. An, yeah, I got to I'm making an example out of you. I'm You're thinking getting, she, you know, at six years old, she did 12 to 15. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe less. Paroled, paroled at 75. And, but she's like, ain't, we ain't doing that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, again, my, that's totally me just making a theory because she didn't hesitate. And to me, that's where that is some type of mental preparation. Uh, just because, ah, uh, one thing I did notice just about her. so sudden. Yeah. One yeah. thing I did notice about her when they pulled her out of the vehicle is that she was not wearing shoes. So, did they think they were already spotted and they made, went to make an escape in the Cadillac when they left the hotel? Yeah. That one of the things I was thinking of was, was it a tr- intended trip? that she was not either expecting to get out of the vehicle they were returning soon or did she had to did she have to flee so quickly that she wasn't even able to put her shoes on because the vehicle was already loaded for the most part were they about to go on a trip you know he's like hey it rolled right yeah do what it would did the vehicle roll it rolled onto its side maybe i mean there's also a chance she was wearing flip-flops she could have worn some flops maybe some maybe some you know slip on footwear it rolled onto onto her side because when they pulled her out of the vehicle they pulled her out of the vehicle like she was in the i don't think she fell over in it looked like she was still in a seated position Mm -hmm. in the seat she was in and they pulled her out the window from there gotcha and so i don't know but I, i thought that was when they pulled her out the front i was like first thing i thought was because i've seen things like this in my mind like in my mind i was just thinking to myself i was like she didn't have any shoes on yeah and I didn't. And I wondered why. That is bizarre. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's several explanations. Could Left in a hurry. Yeah, had on slip on footwear, anything like that. But of course, we're gonna know a lot more in the coming months, maybe longer, and maybe we'll get some answers to some of these questions that we have. But that was most my theory is that they were like, hey, if we get caught, we're going out. Yeah, we're going out together. She's like, you're already doomed. Yeah, in the prison system, and. I will be then as well. And I don't want to do that. I just want to face the eternal void with you. Yeah. You're so special because we share a last name. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that 
she did not want to go to prison. Mm-hmm. He was already comfortable with being in prison. Yeah. Now, do you want to be in prison? No. No, of course not. So you're going to try to get out. But that's why I say that when, when you look at the collateral damage with this, when you look at, like we've both already said, he has nothing to lose. Right. She has everything to lose. When he said, is my wife okay? Is he, did he maybe have some feelings for her? Possibly. Mm-hmm. She was the way to get him out of jail. Look, I just spent a couple years in prison. He'd had feelings for a microwaved cantaloupe. Yes. And also, he found a, a good, like when I first started working in the jail, one of my, one of my uh, jail training officers, a guy that I worked with, he brought me a, a story to read. And it was called Downing a Duck. Mm-hmm. And the thing that he pushed to me was, is that everything always starts small. Mm-hmm. Someone is not going to ask you to break them out of jail. What they're going to do is they're going to make a relationship with you somehow. They're going to try to gain a little bit of your trust. And if you work in a direct supervision jail where you're around inmates all the time, things like this can happen. Oh, yeah. You have to learn to make a separation and you have to learn to see when they're trying when they're crossing the line. And you can say, you're crossing the line. But what they're going to do is they're going to try to make some sort of relationship with you. They are going to, when people started asking me personal questions about my life, that's when I told them they crossed the line. Mm -hmm. I'm like, listen, my life's not a secret, but we're not friends. That's right. We're not friends. You're in here. I have a job. You're an inmate. It's nothing personal. I don't want you to take it that way. I'm not trying to be rude to you or mean to you. But what you have to understand is that we're not friends. That's right. We're not going to be friends. Yeah. Maybe somewhere down the road, some our paths cross, something like that. Crazy situations. We see each other at church. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Right now, we ain't friends. That's right. Because they are going to do things that I have seen personally. Mm-hmm. They are going to build this relationship with you. They're going to say, you know, man, times are hard. Man, I don't have any money. You know, my, my family, they all live in California. And I just, man, I need, I need some way to get commissary. Or if I can't afford to get these pencils these coloring pencils off the commissary list. And they're, they're just, they're saying a bunch of things waiting for you to take the bait. Right. It's almost like selling cars, right? Mm -hmm. You put the deal on the table and then you don't say a word. You let them respond. Mm -hmm. Because if you keep talking, they're going to keep listening. Mm -hmm. You, you set them up in the situation I'm talking about in jail. You set them up, you prop this up, right? Mm -hmm. Wish I could get these pencils. And then you hope at some point or, it's been so so long since I had a Snicker bar, mm-hmm. whatever. And then you see, did they take the bait? That's right. They're like, oh, maybe I, maybe I could bring you one. Yeah. And then that is how the Downing a Duck story basically goes through. It's getting that initial trust. Then you take that Snicker bar, that packet of pencils, and you give it to them. And then guess what? They got you. Mm-hmm. You belong to them now because the only other way that you can get out of this is admitting to bringing contraband that's right. To an inmate or continuing on. And when you admit that you brought contraband to the inmate, are you going to get fired? Probably. Or at least there's going to be some sort of severe disciplinary action. Mm-hmm. But that's how they get you. And if they do get you, they're not going to go full-fledged. They're going to get you to bring them a candy bar or a pack of pencils or some extra letters or whatever. Then they're going to raise the stakes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to continue to raise the stakes until maybe you're letting them borrow your cell phone while you're on your lunch break. And at these, at these points, there's no turning back. That's right. Unless you're going to rat yourself out. And that was how they kind of built that up saying like, 
it's always the little things that lead to the big things. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be something very small. You never give an inch. You always let them know they're crossing the line. That's right. Straight up front. And I think at some point, Casey was able to figure out that Vicky, for whatever, for whatever reason, maybe she was lonely. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was looking for a companion. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was having trouble. Whatever the situation was. I hate that she picked him. Of course. Yeah, it's terrible. She's also equally involved. So I, I don't give her any slack for that. The only slack that I give her is I feel like she was a really lonely woman. Yeah, I think that too. And he pitched something up and she took it. That's right. And then and then here we are. I mean, she was looking at the end of her career coming up. Mm-hmm. Not, not I don't mean because she dropped her retirement packet. I meant that sometime in the future she was going to not because she was going to break a man out of jail. Yeah. Uh, and she, I think that's a really good theory that she was lonely. That the loneliness does very strange things to people. Yep. Especially someone who has an excellent civil service record and uh, a fantastic past in her workplace. And then all of a sudden, boom, this happens. It had to be something had to tip it. Yeah. That's the only way I could get from one extreme to the other. Exactly. I think you, you said lonely. it perfectly. That was, that was well said because it, you, you quoted a book. You were using the, your book as a metaphor. I also used a book for that. It was never give a mouse a cookie. Oh, yeah. Same tale. Yeah. But just for simpler minds. Same. No, this was, yeah, this was very short story. Yeah, this one. But it takes you to the point where you go from this small little detail Mm -hmm. all the way up to the, like, now you're like, man, I don't know what happened. Like, I brought this dude a Kit Kat, and then it's like two months later, I broke him out of jail. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I don't even know how I got here. We're really good friends. Wait, aren't we? How did I get here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not never give a mouse cookie. It's if you give a mouse if you cookie. Give a, yeah. I messed that up. But, but I think both work. But this in this situation right here, Casey was what I don't care what anybody says. Casey was using Vicky. Sure. And I could tell that immediately when he got out of the car and he was walking back in handcuffs to go back to prison for the rest of his life. Like he already was going to be doing. That's right. And she was dead in the car. Mm-hmm. And he was or, like, or she was dying. Phew. He's like, boy, that didn't really work out. What am I going to do? Next one. Yeah. What am I going to do now? Yeah. What's my and, next uh, plan? You know, I think, I think when we learn more, this should be maybe a type of episode. We come back when and revisit. We, yeah. We come back and we do like an update. That'd be a good idea. We've been around a long, long, long enough though. Me and you, uh, me and Crowley's here is pretty tired. Work's been getting a little rough. Yeah, it has. They, my work, like we've talked about before, my workload really picks up in the summer. So I'm. I'm beat by the time I get here. So mine is also pretty heavy. And this is the time of year where we both operate in uh, just a mode of fatigue mm-hmm. for six months. Don't remind me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, but you know, the good thing is we're already past some of it. So we are. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I guess we're going to leave it there. Uh, a good job, man. You made a bunch of great insight. And for all those out there that don't know the difference between a jail and a prison, now you do. Mm-hmm. You're welcome because a lot of people call them prisons when they're not. Yeah, when they're not, they're actually just county jails or something like that. That, but yeah, yeah we, 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 uh, we wanted to do this story and because it, it's it's in the news, it's, it was relevant. Mm-hmm. I wish we could have done it a couple of weeks ago, but that doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, we're doing it, it now. No, I appreciate y'all listening. Thanks. Yeah, thanks everybody for listening. So we'll we'll leave it there for for this episode. Hopefully, we can get when we get some more insight. Maybe it'll be enough that we could roll it into 
a full episode or maybe we can just give you an update you yeah, know do when an it update. comes out when when we figure out a little more because i'd like to i'm really interested i spent a lot of times in time and corrections and i saw some different nothing like this i never saw an officer break an inmate out of jail but you know i did see some things that go around and i i hung around in this environment for a lot of time so when i heard initially mm-hmm. that a officer broke an inmate out of i was immediately drawn to it because yeah. i wanted to know all the details about yeah. how it happened so i can't wait till we learn more yeah yeah so we'll leave it here for this episode and thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening we'll see you later bye bye Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of The Murder Project. Our numbers are going up, our downloads are going up, and we have you guys to thank for that. If you're looking for us on any of the social media platforms, you can find us on Facebook. We're at The Murder Project. If you need to search for us, you can type in facebook.com slash podcast TMP. If you're looking for us on Instagram, we're at The Murder Project. And if you're looking for us on Facebook, we're at The Murder Pod. Also, don't forget, go over whatever platform you're listening on, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if they have it. If you're listening on Spotify, go down under the name and hit that star button. Hit that five stars while you're there. Five stars. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. And also, hit that five stars. Five stars. If you have a longer form question or comment, you want to reach out to us, we have an email address. That email is contact at themurderproject.com. And as always, Mike or myself will get back to you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode. We look forward to speaking to you in the future. But before we go, please remember, head up, eyes up, and stay alive.